As a real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Their teams apply local insights and global perspectives to help identify the most compelling investing opportunities. Principal Asset Management, actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Odd Logs podcast. I'm Tracy Alloway. And I'm Joe Weisenthal. So, Joe, this is the second edition of our uh, very exciting, very nefarious money markets and crime series. We're really starting the year on a very uh, sort of dark and grim note. Uh, earlier in the year, we talked about possibility of a bond market crash, and now we're on right. this series of uh, the uh, economics and markets of crime. But uh, I'm really enjoying these, and I'm excited about today's episode. What are we going to talk about? Well, so I was going to ask, are you, I, I think there's um, a general tendency for guys in particular to be really into um, the mafia and mafia movies, especially. Are you one of those guys who kind of like worships The Godfather? I wouldn't say I worship The Godfather. I really liked The Godfather movies. I also, <laughs> uh, The Sopranos was definitely one of my favorite oh, yeah. TV shows of all time. So I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, an obsessive or anything. But I do find it to be a very interesting topic, and I like a lot of the media surrounding it. Okay, so today, I I think you'll like this topic in that case. So today, we're going to be talking about um, the idea of education and the economics of education and what role they play, if any, in um, being a good mafioso, I guess. Right, because we know there's plenty of evidence that having a good education in the non-criminal world is probably mm. uh, helpful for getting ahead, for making more money, for all kinds of positive life outcomes. And there's a lot of ambiguity about why. Is it just about signaling? Does anyone actually learn anything right. in college that they use? Or is it uh, about something else? And so it's kind of an interesting way to study the value of education by whether it also helps you get ahead in the world of organized crime. Yeah, but there's also this school of thought that says that um, if you get a higher education, then you're less likely to resort to crime, right? So, right. like, the, the idea of gangsters actually actively seeking out education, in theory, maybe should deter them from a life of crime. I don't know. That's what we're going to find out, right? You'd think so. Of course, there, and there's, uh, you know, it's not the mafia, but there's that famous uh, moment in the show The Wire where uh, uh, the yeah. drug kingpin Stringer Bell is seen in an economics class at the local college. So That's uh, right. And he learns about yeah. supply and demand, exactly. supply-demand curve, right? That's a great yeah. scene. 
Okay, so here with us to talk about all of this is Giovanni Mastrobuoni. He is a professor of economics at the University of Essex, and he is also chair at the Collegio Carlo Alberto in Italy. And he actually wrote a paper with some of his colleagues called Returns to Education in Criminal Organizations, Did Going to College Help Michael Corleone? So um, clearly a Godfather reference right there. Let's do it. Giovanni, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I mean, I guess I I have to start with um, the obvious, which is what inspired you to actually look at the subject because connecting education uh, and returns and college um, and the mafia isn't necessarily something that a lot of researchers would look into. Um, It was a book, uh, a biography by um, uh, Bonanno, who was one of the sort of leaders in the Italian-American Mafia in New York, in in Brooklyn. And in his autobiography, um, he talks about how having sort of a higher level of education than than his peers within the Mafia helped him to become one of the the, uh, bosses of, uh, of, of of, of one of the New York families. Having already worked on the, on the Italian-American Mafia and having the data that would somehow allow me to have a measure of uh, sort of economic success and uh, of, of education sort of uh, made the trick. Uh, before we get into this question of whether having an education really helps one get ahead in the Mafia and why that might be, Let's just talk about the data first. How do you even begin to measure something like this? How do you know which of the uh, mafioso uh, went to college and how do you know how well they did economically? It's not like their salaries are made public or anything like yes, that. Yes, exactly. So it's it's not easy. In the, so I always joke saying that the mafiosi are somehow the, you know, the, the less likely to respond to uh, surveys, which is we usually find out about how much money people make and, 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 and what level of education they have. Uh, so it all starts with um, some declassified uh, files by the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, which was uh, an agency um, uh, trying to crack down the mafia way before the FBI did. Uh, so we're talking about the 1950s and 60s when the FBI was quite busy um, trying to find the communists in, in the country. So what the Federal Bureau of Narcotics did was to um, sort of build a, a, like a, a huge folder where somehow each page um, was dedicated to a mobster. Now, we don't know exactly how they managed to track down so many mobsters. I mean, most likely, because there's no evidence, but most most likely it was through uh, undercover agents and also monitoring these these mobsters whenever they met. And so what you have in the the Federal Bureau of Narcotics files um, is information about where these mobsters 
lived, so their place of residence, uh, the age, the name, so first name and last name, the, the closest associates, uh, and as well as like a short description of their criminal profile. But not all of them had a criminal profile. So some, some were you know, very good in, 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 hiding, in, uh, in hiding somehow from the police. So this is, so the file, the, the, the last update happened in 1960 of this, of this, uh, of this folder and, um, and was declassified in, um, I think in 2007 or in 2006 or seven. So I, uh, I found out about it um, at, um, uh, sort of, I, w I was waiting for, for an airplane and there was a bookstore, and so I started like, just looking at books, and, and it, it turns out that uh, someone um, printed the whole folder, uh, and so you, you can buy it on, uh, on Amazon. Um, and it's called uh, Mafia, very simple. And, and so what I did is I, first of all, um, put the whole uh, folder, so each, each file, each, each mobster's information in electronic format, and then um, sort of what was missing for this research was information about their level of education as well as um, a measure of economic success. So what, I, what, I, what we did, I mean, with my co-authors, is we used the first name, last name, uh, um, place of birth and date of birth to merge um, the, these mobsters with uh, the, the US census the 1940 U.S. Census. And in the 1940 U.S. Census, you have um, a whole lot of information, including uh, income, the value of the house, if they own the house, or the rent they pay, um, as well as uh, the years of education. And so uh, that allowed us to uh, write this paper and to measure returns to education. Sense did you get about how um, I guess people um, that either were in the mafia or were going into the mafia thought of education? Like, did they see the value in it? Was it obvious to them that there was value, or what was their decision-making process when they decided to go off to college? So again, it's it's hard to answer this this question because we um, we only have scattered information about that and. and it, it's mainly coming from either historians who typically talk about sort of individual cases uh, or uh, autobiographies like, for example, the one by uh, Joe Bonanno. The, the sense is that they would spend as little time as possible uh, in school. And um, there are even, even stories of parents trying to fake uh, the age of, uh, of their children to have them spend, uh, you know, fewer years in school. So we are not arguing in the paper that, that they were actively seeking more uh, education, uh, but that those that did have more education uh, were actually um, uh, making uh, more money and we're living in, in, in a more wealthy housing. Yeah, I was just going to get to that point. So you mentioned Joe Bonanno 
and he cited his own education as a reason for his success. Uh, go through what are the key data points? How much more education translated into how much more money and economic success? What is what was the return on going to school? So we use two economic outcomes. Um, one is income. Now income might be a little bit problematic. So for one might think that even in, 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 in the census, mobsters would be unwilling to uh, declare exactly how much money they make. Right. And so we use um, also housing. And, and housing is somehow more difficult to hide because um, the surveyors would, would, would actually visit the, the homes of individuals and, and, and so they could actually see uh, and have a sense of, of the value of the, of the house. So, you know, we argue that it would be more difficult to hide uh, the value of, of the house where they were living or, or the rent they were paying. So what, what we find is that uh, having an extra year of education uh, increase, increases their, um, their income as well as the, the value of their housing uh, by about 7%. 7 to 8%. And this sort of rate of return is very similar to the rate of return of their neighbors. Because what we do then is we, we compare the returns to education of mobsters with the returns to education of uh, a whole series of uh, possible control groups. Mm. Now, the more natural one, uh, we think, is, uh, is, is the one based on their neighbors. So you have individuals who share the same neighborhood, the same, you know, they, they live in the same city, they, they live even in the same neighborhood. Uh, and and um, what we find is that uh, neighbors have very similar returns to education, maybe slightly larger by one percentage point. Then we compare them to um, U.S. citizens who are of similar age and, and, and similar gender. I mean, again, uh, I should have mentioned this. We're talking about only men, so the, the, the mafia was really uh, a male business. Uh, women were not allowed into the, or and still are not allowed into the mafia. And um, and so while it is true that um, U.S. citizens have have higher returns to education in those years, so close to ten to eleven percent, when you compare the mafiosi to another uh, quite reasonable control group, which are um, immigrants, as well as uh, immigrants of Italian origin, these two groups fare much, much worse. So they have returns to education that are only half as large as the ones of the mobsters. So, I mean, what conclusions do you draw from your conclusion? Uh, what What is the actual value of education here? And do the differences in results between mafia and non-mafia uh, people suggest a different value for education um, depending on whether it's applied to criminal activity or not? So what, what we managed to do in the paper, which I think pins down a little bit the mechanism here, is um, we managed to separate the, the mobsters into two groups. Uh, and that, 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 you know, that we did thanks to the uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics Files. 
So we, we divided the mobsters into um, those that, that were doing more business types uh, of crimes, um, like for example, uh, loan sharking or money laundering uh, or drug dealing. Um, with those that uh, instead had a more violent profile, like those that were involved in robberies or, or killings. And, um, and, and there we find striking differences. So those that, that have a more uh, business type profile have returns to education, which are similar to the, to the ones of the US population. So it's close to 11%. Um, while those that uh, you know were doing, those that were you know called also the soldiers, uh, have uh, much much lower returns to education, like you know close to mm. two, two to three percent. So low, you know, similar to the to, to the ones of uh, of the other Italian immigrants. What was the highest level of education that you encountered um, in your research? Did Good did question. anyone have like a doctorate or something like that? Uh, no, uh, I think the highest was college degree. Uh, so what, what you find on average is that mobsters have um, one less year of education compared to their neighbors. Uh, so at that time, um, the average education is seven, seven and a half years for mobsters and eight and a half years more or less for their neighbors. So I alluded to this in the intro, but, you know, just talking about uh, in the non-criminal economy, there's still quite a bit of debate about why people with more education make more money. You could say, well, you learned skills in college and that helps. Or maybe it's a signaling mechanism to future employers that, okay, this person who I'm going to hire, I'm going to first just do a college screen and not hire anyone who didn't go to college or maybe, uh, and I think you mentioned this in your paper, maybe there's a socialization element where you don't really learn anything, but you learn how to behave in a hierarchical organization. Or maybe just the mere act of going to college tells you something about the enrollee, that this person has preternaturally, you know, they're smarter and more skilled than other people. And so it's those non, you know, they already had what it took to succeed. You know, this debate about why college is valuable uh, goes on forever, and I don't think there's a clear answer. Does the study that you have undertaken by taking it outside of the sort of corporate realm, in your view, shed any light uh, on this question? That's a good question. Uh, I, must, I, I must have the truth. Like, I haven't thought about it. Um, but, I mean, if we take these potential mechanisms, uh, you know, one at a time, I think they, they, they are all, they could, they could all be applied to the Italian mafia, as, you know, uh, sort of in the same way they, they, they can be applied to the normal uh, workers. And this is because, this is not well known, but the, the Italian uh, mafia is, a, is, a, is a somehow a democratic institution, meaning that um, the members elect their boss. Hmm. And so the signaling value of education might, might, you know, might work in, 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 in such a setup uh, in a similar way, it, it works uh, for for uh, employers and employees. Um, although I do think that what we find about um, business type of crime, criminals having much 
higher returns to education uh, does suggest that um, there's also some learning involved, uh, potentially uh, better skills in when, when, when dealing with numbers, for example, that, that, that uh, might, might be valuable uh, even in, in, uh, inside the, you know, the criminal world. Uh, well, I have to ask, um, do we have any data on what exactly um, Mafia members were actually studying? Were they studying economics, for instance? <laughs> no, that, that unfortunately we don't know. In the, in, in the census, we only know um, the, the, the years of education. Um, and, and, you know, very few went to college. Uh, so you know, we're, so again, the, the average years of education is is seven and a half years. Uh, so most most uh, you know didn't go uh, farther than 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 compulsory uh, education. Uh, but I agree. I mean, that would be very interesting. There there are um, stories of of modern mafiosi in Italy. Uh, uh, you know, being uh, uh, having having much higher levels of education than their parents. Right. That was gonna. I was just gonna ask this. Uh, you know, there's organized crime exists today. You uh, your study looked at uh, you know the first half of the 20th century. Um, have people or you undertaken similar studies on existing uh, organized crime elements to see if uh, similar phenomena hold? Well, I would love to, um, but it's just very difficult to get the data. Right. Uh, on top of, I think there being a little bit also of a of a, of a risk factor, probably. Uh, so you know, we, we so in our data um, we looked at uh, mobsters that that were active in the forties, fifties, and sixties. So most of them are. Uh, if not dead, they're very old and, and probably not very dangerous. Um, I think it would be different if, if we were looking at, uh, at current mobsters. And for current mobsters, um, it's, it's just really hard to get the data. Right. Uh, I mean, for one uh, thing, uh, the, 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 the census, recent census don't have information on, on, uh, on first names and last names. So even if one managed to find the names um, of, of mobsters, for example, had been involved uh, in, 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 in uh, recent crimes, uh, I think it would be really hard to find out exactly what kind of education they have, because that's simply not information that is typically of, of, of use for, for the police. And so it's not information that the police uh, records. All right, Giovanni Mastroboni, he's a professor uh, at the University of uh, Essex and also chair at the Collegio Carlo Alberto. His paper is The Returns to Education in Criminal Organizations. Did going to college help Michael Corleone? Fascinating topic. We really uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. What um, topic do you think Michael Corleone would have studied? 
I bet he would have studied like a generic business degree, which to be honest, I never really understood what studying business was in college, like people who were business <laughs> majors. I never knew what that meant. Like an MBA meant. or something? Yeah, or something like that. But I imagine something like that. But maybe if I went back and rewatched The Godfather specifically thinking on that, I would come up with some other answer. Don't you think the degree, I mean, granted, a lot of people in that study didn't go to college, but don't you think the degree that would have helped them the most would be law like it'd have to be law right oh yeah right because in a way organized crime is sort of like legal arbitrage finding opportunities in the existence of day-to-day life where people need to pay for some extra legal service like protection (laughs) one i thought one of maybe the most fascinating element is just the process of collecting data and it seems like a lot of really interesting economics comes out of unusual data sets. Obviously, when the Federal Bureau of Narcotics was assembling these dossiers on mobsters, they weren't thinking that they were creating a future uh, economic data set, but a sort of (laughs) enterprising researcher can see them for what they are. Don't you love the idea of economists doing um, surveys of criminals and asking them, like, hey, uh, your level of education, and uh, by the way, um, the returns on your business (laughs) Right. If you don't um, mind, please let us uh, also tell us what your <laughs> annual salary is and your bonus yeah. and your uh, take-home pay from last year was. Uh, yeah, but as you rightly point out, like the notion that if we could get that kind of data, what fascinating stuff it would yield. And again, this is an important topic of debate if you think that higher education should actually deter people from crime um, right. for whatever um, reason or mechanism that comes into play. Uh, These are really, really interesting data sets to have. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, uh, there's just this cliche that you should go to college and getting a better education is good for your career. And so not only did we learn that that applies to crime as well, which is interesting, but that You know, for maybe some of the same reasons, the idea that in the corporate world, sort of pure credentialism could be one reason why someone gets hired Mm. over another. And in the criminal world, perhaps having a degree is something that if everybody's voting, like, ah, this guy is the smart one. He has a degree or he went to school could be a factor. And so some of these, um, you know, might sort of further lend the argument that there is some value, uh, you know, some, if nothing else, signaling value in having that degree. Okay, so I I guess we haven't definitively established if crime does pay, but education definitely seems to, right? And well, if and if we don't know for sure if crime does pay, but if you know that your child is going to go into a life of crime, you could still suggest <laughs> to them to stay in school. Yeah, start saving for that college fund now. Um, all right. Well, that's another edition of the Odd Love Podcast. I'm Tracy Alloway, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. And I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart, and tune in next week for the next edition of our Money, Markets, and Crime series. Hey there, it's Joe Weisenthal. And Tracy Alloway. And we are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And we want to tell you about a new podcast here at Bloomberg we're really excited about. Money Stuff, the podcast. That's right. Friend of the pod, Matt Levine, is teaming up with our other friend and Bloomberg TV host, Katie Greifeld, to bring the Money Stuff newsletter to life. 
Every Friday, Matt and Katie will dive into all the Wall Street finance and other things that make Matt's newsletter such a hit. You can listen to Money Stuff the Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.